With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stan the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. Still living in 2021 and manually taking notes? There is a better way. Start the new year with otter.ai. Automatically get meeting notes. Otter.ai works for virtual meetings like Zoom, Microsoft Teams, and Google Meet. Sign up on the web for free or download in the app stores. Otter.ai. That's O-T-T-E-R A-I. Still living in 2021 and manually taking notes? There is a better way. Start the new year with otter.ai. Automatically get meeting notes. Otter.ai works for virtual meetings like Zoom, Microsoft Teams, and Google Meet. Sign up on the web for free or download in the app stores. Otter.ai. That's O-T-T-E-R A-I. Thunderstruck. Adjective. Shocked and amazed by the power of fun on Carnival. Riding Bolt, the world's first roller coaster at sea, Brian got thunderstruck so hard, his 93-year-old grandmother felt it 3,000 miles away in Nebraska and immediately booked a cruise. Hooray! Get thunderstruck starting at 289. Carnival. Choose fun. Cruises are in U.S. dollars per person, double occupancy. Taxes, fees, and port expenses additional. Restrictions apply. Full details on Carnival.com. Ships Registry, Bahamas, Panama. All right, here we go. Pac-12 fans, this one's for you. Put your hands up, This is the Pac-12 Apostles. Keeping it real. And only the truth lives here. Pac-12 Apostles. Week one in the Pac-12 is in the books. Who had the best week and who had the worst week? Not just in the Pac-12, but the ACC is a contender as well. Is there a balance of power shift in the Pac-12 between the North and the South? And of course, we're going to recap week one, preview week two, and give you our power rankings. I'm George Reister. He's Ralph Amsden. And this is the Pac-12 Apostles. This is the Pac-12 Apostles, the podcast by Pac-12 fans, for Pac-12 fans, where you get the truth no sugar coating here. No BS is allowed. We keep it 100. And we're going to tell you the truth about the conference. Not going to sugarcoat any of that. All right, Ralph. Now, one week in the Pac-12 in the books. How would you, what grade would you give the conference as a whole? C minus. What? <laughs> Almost a D. Yeah. Unfortunately, the whole conference includes the whole conference. And the north, the north was a dumpster fire, and uh, and it, the fact that the fact that it's even a C minus has a lot to do with what UCLA did on a national stage. So you think that it? So if UCLA had just won by a field goal or or yeah, then it would be lower than a C minus. Maybe, maybe, but uh, I'm glad we don't have to think about that. <laughs> All right, dude, I would not. I'm firmly in the other camp. I would give the conference, I'd give the conference a B. 
And the reason why I would give the conference a B instead of actually, I would rank the conference even higher. Right. But Washington lost to Montana. So that automatically just throws a monkey wrench in the entire program. Uh, But it will in terms of the Pac-12 program for this this year um, and this week. So I don't know how you can be so optimistic after what we just saw. Why not? Okay, look, see the difference between because I had this debate on my show last night on um, on my show on Mad Dog. And I said, okay, who had the worst weekend, the ACC or the Pac-12? And I was like, by far the ACC, Clemson, North Carolina, Florida State and Miami, who are all supposed to be their best teams, all lost. And in the Pac-12, who are the Pac-12's best teams supposed to be, Ralph? Oregon, uh huh, USC. Yep. I don't. I don't think you would count UCLA amongst those going into. I did. I I counted them as a part of that because you. Okay, you know I think I had them as my number five team. Um, okay, Arizona State. Arizona State, yeah. Utah. I suppose. I mean, not for me. Not for me. For me. For me, it was um, Washington and Oregon, and then USC, ASU, UCLA. So, Those are the five teams that I have high expectations. Okay. For. So the so all of them won except for Washington, right? I mean, yeah, you can say all oh. all of them won except for Washington, or you can say that Oregon was down in the fourth quarter to Fresno State and heading into the fourth quarter it was a 6 point game in the USC San Jose State game. I mean and you can also say that that Oklahoma was ranked number 2 in the AP poll and was up 40 to 35 and Tulsa had the ball with 2 minutes to go in the game. Like you could you All could right. say that too. Yeah, but this is what you're doing. If I take my kids to the grocery store and on the way out, they shoplift candy, and I find out in the parking lot. And I take them back in to admit that they were shoplifting in the store, and I see someone else's kid also shoplifted but is throwing a tantrum. And my kids at least aren't throwing a tantrum. I don't think my kids are sure great. Like, I I don't think that in that moment. I think about the fact that, like, well, I mean, at least they're not that bad, but they still are bad. They did a bad thing. Like, <laughs> I, can't, I can't say, like, I can't give the Pac-12 credit for USC not being able to put away San Jose State or for uh, a fourth and two Anthony Brown run being the only reason the Pac-12 North didn't go 0-6. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That wasn't the only reason. They Oregon was winning that game no matter what. And it's also... The- <laughs> I was on the phone with you. I don't think that's your mindset in that. Yes, it, yes, it, yes, <laughs> that it was. Yes, it was. I, I knew that they were gonna gonna win. I just didn't like the way it looked. You are and, and rel- I, yeah, you're you're relieved more than you are happy. No, I was. There was no doubt that they were gonna win. It was just, it was just frustrating, bro. To to watch what happened, and we will obviously talk about it. And I thought that the, as far as the conference, who had the worst week? I mean, it's it's obvious. There is. It's obvious, but it's also there are also other contenders. The obvious one is Washington, right? But Stanford, they put in a good bid, dude. They were down what twenty four zero going into the fourth quarter. It was bad, <laughs> dude. They l- lost twenty four to seven. 
they are just it was a disaster. But do you think that this shows a, a shift in the balance of power in the conference from the north to the south? It certainly looked that way. Didn't it? I think I think you look at the the South and you say, oh, it looks like some of these teams are trending up, if not at least holding tight, you know, and not taking a step back like we thought maybe Utah would or Colorado would. In the North, there is concern for all six teams. I, I think, I think, maybe with the exception of Oregon State, and I'd make an argument that that's not the case. All six teams, you feel worse about after their game ended than you did before their game started? Hmm. See, I, I, I think that you have to be happy with 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 wins. And, like, sometimes the first game of the season is, is ugly. I'm going to reserve judgment as far as the balance of power shifting until this upcoming week, probably. Because, okay, um, okay, now let's just go into our recap of week of week one and um for anybody who knows we have a what do we do like we uh we uh not just bet the games but we also you know make our picks and predictions and can you tell the people how it went this last week ralph not great george for me anyway i thought it went great i finished four and eight against the spread uh, thank, thanks to the Pac-12 North in general, where I went 0-6. Um, I'm 4-9 and on the season. You went 7-5. and um, You actually did better in the South than you did in the North for the first time in a really long time. <laughs> you went 4-2 and in the South and 3-3 three and three in the North. 7-5 and five overall. You're 8-5 and five on the season. You're already four games ahead of me. Uh, one week and one game in, which feels pretty terrible. We both went six, five, and one in our over under picks, uh, which gives me a one game advantage on you on the season. Seven, five, and one to six, six, and one. Okay. So now we can start through the games. So the first game, um, which was the Thursday game, Weber State versus Utah. What was your take on that game? Utah won 40 to 17. They started out kind of slow. They were up 19 to 7 at halftime and then kind of stretched the lead out as the game went on. Charlie Brewer, their quarterback, threw for 233, two touchdowns. Uh, but I thought the star of the show for them was Tavion Thomas, their running back. This kid's good, right? He. Either he's good or it was Weber State's defense. I mean, he looked he looked good. He looked solid. Um, it looked like a Utah running scheme. I mean, the the best play of the game for me was um, Brewer on the run to his left, hitting Solomon Enos in the end zone on a diving catch. Because I mean, that at least showed me that they have the ability to make plays when things kind of break down a little bit. Uh, that that was good. Kincaid's two touchdown receptions. It, that's encouraging. That means almost everybody in the Pac-12 has a functioning tight end, which is going to make for some some fun football, multi-dimensional football, which is nice. Um, I would say that there were some concerns on my end that it, it didn't seem that they were having that easy of a time putting away um, Weaver State. I think it was twenty-six to ten going into the 
into the fourth quarter. Weber State's okay. They're not great. Obviously, at the quarterback position, they didn't look very good at all. They trotted a true freshman out there, I think. Yeah. Um, but there were two players on Weber State that I felt like were given uh, – um, that were given Utah fits, and that was safety Preston Smith, who was all over the place. He, I mean, he single-handedly held them to a field goal in the first quarter uh, by getting three stops in a row after a Weber State turnover. And then I, <laughs> I tell you what, I that kid Rashid Shahid, yeah, he, he might have been the best player on the field. <laughs> Their yeah, kick dude, return, yes. Dude, was that his sixth sixth kick return for a touchdown in his career? Yeah, and he's a blazer too. Like there's no catching him. Um, and he's after he scored lightning struck. So for an entire hour, Weber State was up seven to three on Utah, and the fans were just miserable. Oh, of <laughs> like, course. So, but doesn't this Utah team feel, even with Charlie Brewer as the quarterback, very much like typical Utah teams where? They don't necessarily feel as explosive as you would normally like to see. Yeah, I'd say that they they feel okay. They're like a Rex Grossman Chicago Bears type thing. Like they're they're okay. The coaching is probably gonna be what puts coach them in coaching and defense is probably gonna be what puts them over the top. It's not going to be like superstar performances on the offensive side of the ball, though they do have some good pieces. Um, okay, so I think what, we feel better about this win because of what happened in the rest of the Pac-12 than, than we probably would have if if uh, the Pac-12 North had just like a normal week. Um, but yeah, I, I would say that I, I'd, I'd give this a B and there's definitely a place to go from here, but they, they definitely have a tougher challenge heading close. into this week. Correct. It and was not close. Correct. Yeah. Um, okay. So what did we pick in this game? The oh, so the picks. Let me go ahead and pull those up. I think this was one that I actually didn't do too bad in, and I think you had the exact opposite of me. Let me find. Okay, so in this game, we had um, I had Weber State in the under, and you had Utah in the over. So I actually got you in this one. What was the over under in this game? Um, hold on. Let me pull up a bunch of stuff here. Uh. I think it was in the 60s. I'm checking now. Um, this game's over under was actually it was 48 and a half. So you hit the over because it was 57 and I hit Weber State covering. You had you had Utah covering 28 and a half. Oh, my God. They only won by 23. Terrible, terrible, terrible. All right. Uh, the next game up, Southern Utah at Arizona State. You had, I mean, this game was a total wipeout. Arizona State, uh, Jaden Daniels went 10 for 12 for 132 yards. And it seems like the only two incompletions were were drops by Johnny Johnson. And, um, but I I didn't mean Johnny Johnny Johnson. I was like, Johnny Johnson? No, no, no. Um, What's his name? The big tall kid. From Calabar. Oh my good Johnny Wilson. Yeah, Johnny Wilson. Yeah, ASU ASU got lucky there for a second because Johnny Wilson it looked like messed up on a route and and Jaden Daniels threw an interception and and they I guess they saw a blade of grass move or something because they gave the ball back to ASU when it probably shouldn't have gone that way. So that was a how, favor by the refs. What grade would you give to this? Because I, I I have to be honest. 
like this game and the this game and the uh, Weber State game against Utah. I did not watch these both of these entire games. And the reason why is because these are supposed to be blowouts. Like you watch the first quarter, you watch part of the second, you watch part of the third. Once Jaden Daniels was uh, out, I'm gone. I'm gone, bro. Like there's nothing left to be gained in my opinion. And so I turned it off. And so, but I know you watched every single second of this game, bro. I did. Um, I would give ASU a B. It, it would be higher, but special teams was borderline unwatchable. Multiple missed extra points, kicked a kickoff out of bounds, gave up an onside kick oh. uh, on a pooch kick. Not like it was just. And then in the and then there were elements that return game was good, and then the punting was good. But other than that, it was pretty brutal to watch. Uh, and then they had over a hundred yards in penalties in the first half. Um, something that they haven't managed to pull off in a complete game in like 10 years or something like that. So no discipline whatsoever. Herm Edwards was kind of flippant about it after the game. He's like, ah, well, we expected that. Well, no, you didn't because that's something you would prepare for. If you ex- We expected to be super undisciplined. Like that's not something you want to get <laughs> caught saying out loud. Um, offensively, though, masterful performance. I mean, they, they, they were what 14 of 17 passing on the day. Um, for some reason, they keep trying to make this whole Johnny Wilson thing happen. I don't get it. Uh, Ricky Pearsall looked good. He had um, an end around for a touchdown. Those are always fun. Um, the only bad thing is they got a little bit banged up on the offensive side of the ball. Jane Daniels cramped up, had to leave the game. DeMonte Trainum, after scoring two touchdowns, left with an ankle. Um, and then on the defensive side of the ball, Tyler Johnson only played about eight minutes. He looked fantastic, but then he got thrown out of the game um, for targeting. So uh, I don't know. There were some things that looked really, really good. Offensively, they they look like they're going to be pretty difficult to stop, especially if the wide receivers do their job. Um, and defensively, I've always believed that Darian Butler was a Ronald McKinnon type, um, but he never had an interception in a game before, and that's something that Ronald McKinnon was really good at in uh, in pass coverage. And he and and Darian Butler came through with two picks in this game, and DeAndre Pierce had one as well, and Jack Jones had a forced fumble. I think defensively they looked good. They didn't always look hyper focused on the defensive side of the ball, but it's kind of hard to be against Southern Utah in a game where you're you're up you know twenty eight to seven at halftime, yeah. um, and that's with a hundred plus yards and penalties uh, and a couple of missed <laughs> extra points or whatever else they had going on. I I don't know. I, I think offensively they're going to be. Um, pretty tough to contend with in the Pac-12. Defensively, they've got a ton of experience. If they get beat this year, it's going to be them beating themselves. And after watching this game, I have some concern that they might actually do it. They might actually cost themselves a game here or there with a lack of discipline. Yeah, um, definitely. (laughs) And as the season goes on and, you know, they got stuff looming over their heads, we'll see how this goes. So you have... The uh, Friday game, you had Northern Colorado at Colorado. Um, How did we do in that game? Let's see. You picked um, Northern Colorado and the over, uh, and that number was set at 46, and I had Colorado minus 30 and a half. You had the under. You had the under. I had the over in this game. Yes. 
So yeah, I didn't, I didn't do too well here. Um, Colorado didn't really seem super interested in trying to put this game away. They more looked like they were just trying to learn each other and feel each other out. Yeah. Um, Northern Colorado has a couple of really (laughs) right. No, you're right. And Northern Colorado has a couple of really good players on their team. So I think they were able to kind of keep it close. Um, Well, I was interested to see Dylan McCaffrey who transferred. Where where did he come from, from Nebraska or Michigan? uh, I believe he was the one at Michigan, but I could be wrong. Yeah. So he transferred to Northern Colorado back to closer to home because he's from Colorado. And his dad is the coach and his brother's on staff. Yeah. His oldest brother's on staff. Yeah. Yeah, and he put up a decent performance, 24 for 42, 236, you know, but they were clearly overmatched, which I thought that Colorado looked good in terms of their their defense because they held them only to three for 14 on third on third down, 0 for 2 on fourth down, held them to 256 total yards, you know, low like completion percentage in the mid. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stan the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. 50s. I I thought it was and only allowed 1.1 yards a rush while rushing for almost six yards a carry. I thought it was pretty good. You didn't happen to see who uh, Northern Colorado's kind of, well, to me, best offensive player was, did you? Uh, scored their only touchdown. Oh, oh, Cassidy Woods. Yeah. From, <laughs> um, from Washington State, who's suing Nick Rolovich. If you want to hear more about that, go to the last podcast, the last episode where we talked about the Nick Rolovich lawsuit by his former player, Cassidy Woods. Yeah, he looked good. I'm not going to yeah. lie. Like, they tried to force him the ball. He wasn't always open, but he he looked really good. He, looks he like looked a like a could... five guy playing at an FCS school. Yeah, it's almost like it's almost like performances like that strengthen his uh, strengthen his case that he was froze out out at Washington State because if the whole thing was just that he wasn't good enough, um, I don't think he would be playing the way that he's playing now. Exactly, exactly. Still living in 2021 and manually taking notes? Start the new year with otter.ai to generate automatic notes for meetings, interviews, or lectures. With otter.ai, you can search the meeting notes, insert images, play back the audio, and share them with your friends or coworkers. You can capture action items, remember meeting details, and keep everyone informed. Otter.ai works for in-person or virtual meetings like Zoom, Microsoft Teams, and Google Meet. Sign up for free at otter.ai or download the app for free. Otter.ai, that's O. This episode is brought to you by Death on the Nile, exclusively in theaters February 11th. 
the greatest detective of all time, Hercule Poirot, returns to solve another deadly case. Join Poirot on a wild ride down the Nile River, promising luxury, intrigue, and murder. Grab your friends and get ready to solve this murder mystery on the big screen. Starring Kenneth Branagh and Gal Gadot. Premiering only in theaters February 11th. All right. uh, The next game up. uh, How did we do pick-wise? Fresno State at Oregon. Oregon was favored by 20 and a half points. 20 and a half, yeah. And in the first quarter, I was like, okay, we're going to cover up 14-0. And then at halftime, I was like, 21-13, all right, we still got a chance to cover. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. And honestly, it felt more like Marcus Arroyo was calling plays again at Oregon with the way their offense was sputtering. They couldn't, they did not run the football at a, at a high level. Like if you look at their their stats, they're gonna look fine because uh, they rushed for 186 yards, but they only got 3.8 yards of carry. That's not good enough. Like that's not gonna cut it at all. And then they only passed for 172 yards on 15 of 24. And to make all of those wide receivers happy, they are going to have to, you know, make sure that they are completing about 23 passes a game to to spread the love around. They continue to use players in ways that infuriate me. Uh, I feel like Johnny Johnson is somebody that you should be hitting on quick screens, letting him drag defenders. I feel like Travis Dye is somebody who should be running to the outside a little bit more, or you hit him on a swing pass um, where, where it's athlete against athlete. Uh, I didn't see a lot of that in he this game. He doesn't make it's- people miss in space, Ralph. He does not. Good God, dude. You and this Travis Die train. Like He's a decent back. He's not elusive, overly elusive. He doesn't have elite quickness or speed. <laughs> it's, he's a jag, dude. Who led, the, uh, who led the team in yards per carry? What do you mean? I mean, who led the team in yards per carry against Fresno? Travis Dye. Yeah. And that's including Brown and his 30-yard run on fourth and two that oh, saved the dude, game. It was a grand total of of 17 yards, bro. I was, I'm sorry. His long was 17 yards. So, like, let's not act like it was, it was overly special. And bro. Verdell's was 14. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Neither – they didn't get the run game going. Right. So, so were I'm, you more encouraged or less encouraged about Oregon after this game? Less. Definitely less. It was a very frustrating game. Um, I, I am not uh, an Anthony Brown guy anyway. Um, I did not think that he was the, the best option, but it did surprise me that um, with the amount of designed runs they had for Tyler Shuck, that it didn't feel like a lot of Brown's runs at least early on, um, they, they came more, it felt like to me, out of pressure than it, than it was like them just having him go. Um, he is definitely athletic, uh, and he can hit those sh- short routes. And so I don't know why by halftime he only had like seven uh, pass attempts. Um, 
you know, uh, maybe they thought they were just going to breeze through well, Fresno State, he ran but like seven times too, though. <laughs> yeah. So, but former former uh, University of Washington quarterback Jake Hayner, I liked his guts in this game. He came out and he played, kind of had a fire in his eyes, like he was looking to prove something. And um, and and if it wasn't for the early turnover forced by Oregon on a pass rush. I think maybe they forced a couple of turnovers early on. And then for the way that Oregon's pass rush and defense played in the last seven minutes, then we could be talking about the Pac-12 North going 0-6. And so um, I think you have to I, – I, I actually am okay with how Oregon played defensively, especially considering two players went down. Yeah, so and I'm, they I'm not frustrated with the defense. Starting, yeah, and they didn't have two of their starting – DBs too. So, but I, I thought Jake Hayner was really good. And I would agree with you. The first seven minutes of the game and the last seven minutes of the game were 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 good by by Oregon. And hopefully that's who this team actually really is. Yeah, because the the middle was kind of a shit sandwich, if we're if we're being honest. That it yes. was tough. And I and I'm not really sure what to say. Like I, and, I know what I'd like to see. Fresno State's I not think, Fresno State's a good team, though. Like they're, Fresno they State probably finish as a top twenty-five yeah. team at the end of the year. Like Fresno win. State is a good team, but I just believe that Oregon is more athletic. And I think when yes. you when you get when you get player on player on the outside, then you should be able to make some plays there. Correct. Uh, Jalen Red is the one of the fastest guys on the field. He had one touch. Yep. Like you got You got to find some way to get the ball in space to your players who have the ability to make a play on their own. Correct. Or at least and, to bully some people. And that's why, again, it always frustrates me that most of the time I see them going to Johnny Johnson, it's 40 yards do- down the field with him trying to lay out and give up his entire body. Just give him the ball. Just give him the ball and let him try to be physical. Yeah. Um, all right. The next game up, USC beat San Jose State 30-7. to And um, what was the spread and the over-under in this game? Let's see. Which game? Which game? USC San Jose that, State. That, that was 14. It was a two touchdown. USC uh, um, was favored, and then the over-under was actually 60 points. I got this one wrong, I believe, on both you, sides. You had San Jose State and the under, so you actually got the uh, – You got one of the two, yeah. Yeah. And, okay, so USC, in watching this game – had Nick Starkle, the San Jose State quarterback, not thrown a pick six in the third – well, no, yeah, in the beginning of the fourth quarter? I mean, like, we were – it was still 13-7 to seven going into the fourth quarter. And until he threw that pick six, which kind of broke the game open, USC couldn't do anything. Like, this was very much looking like the Montana um, – the Montana-Washington game in that – U.S. except for the fact that USC with their offense, they can move up and down the field very easily, passing the ball because there's so much space. But then, as soon as you get into the red zone, the space is condensed, so it's hard for them to score. And they keep kicking field goals, kicking field goals, kicking field goals. And San, San Jose State did a good job of that, and they missed a bunch of passes. They had an opportunity in this game. So if I was USC, I would not love the – even though the score looked fancy and fine at the end, this was not the type of performance that you wanted either. 
Right. And I, I don't think that USC should be satisfied. Um, obviously, this is how they started the year last year um, against Arizona State. And then it took them until the fourth quarter to figure out what they were doing. Um, encouraging things in this game. Uh, Eric Cromenhook, the, the tight end. Uh, getting in the end zone, they have multiple tight ends in this offense. And so if those guys are going to contribute, that's big. Uh, Taj Washington, I think, had their first receiving touchdown of the game or or one of the first touchdowns of the game. He looks very good. And again, the receiving core is just going to get better as the year goes on, as they get people um, back healthy and in, in, including Gary Bryant and guys like that. What surprised me is they did try to run the ball 29 times between Ingram and Malapai. Um, but if you take away each of their two big runs, because I think between them they had 131 yards rushing, which is good, but if you take away Malapai's 27-yard run and Ingram's 19-yard run, then that gives you pretty much what you were dealing with uh, outside of that, which is like 27 carries for 90 yards. They tried really, really hard to run the ball, and they just didn't have the the, the spacing um, and the blocking to, to make that work. Drake London um, targeted 16 times. That's no surprise there. He he held his own. Katie Nixon didn't get a catch. It's kind of a surprise. Um, and Slovis looked like Slovis. If you let him set his feet, he's going to do what he does. So as long as they're protecting him, he's going to be fine. He just has to be better in the red zone. He has to be able to find somebody besides Drake London. He has to find a way to make use of these really good tight ends in Chrome and Hook and Epps and, and Wolf um, that they have on the team right now and, and and find a way to incorporate them and actually do some good things in the red zone. And you had brought up the thing that really broke this game apart was when they were up 16-7, to 7, Greg Johnson um, took a pick six to the house from 37 yards out, and then uh, and that's when Slovis marched him down the field and hit Chrome and Hook to make it 30-7, to 7, and that was just – that was the end. But this was a pretty – dang close game with momentum feeling like it was going in San Jose State's favor headed into the fourth quarter. Yeah, I thought that USC still has trouble running the football. Like, it looks fine when you when, when you look at it now. You're like, oh, Ingram, 5.7 yards a carry. Malapai, 4.6. Like, that looks real good, right? Until you realize that on first and second down, they can't run the football. It wasn't until it's third and long and they ran a couple of draws for long yardage and stuff like that, that they're able to run the football when people are trying to stop their pass game. So I think that if you're USC, you have to still be concerned about your run game because there's no way that you can like the way that that turned out as well. Um, All right. Next game up. Oh, the game of the day. UCLA. Uh, versus LSU, UCLA won 38-27. to 27. This was an absolute ass-kicking, Ralph. Like, the uh, LSU got a cheap touchdown at the end to make it to 27, but, bro, they dominated them physically all game. Um, what was the spread? Oh, uh, LSU was favored by two and a half points, I think, at the uh, end. And what was the over-under? It was 65, which hit a push. Yeah. So, I, dude, I knew that this game would turn out how it did. UCLA looked extremely good. They put their pass rush 
is crazy, bro. They are not playing around on defense at all. They're not playing around at all. And uh, LS, LSU only had one um, option, which was uh, Kayshawn Butte, who was tough to stop. Who had because he kept using the he kept using the ref. Yes, <laughs> he repeatedly was using the ref as a screener on on crossing routes. Uh, which crossing routes are are a pain in the ass anyway, because you're going to be open for several pockets of time, depending on how well your offensive line is blocking, and if your quarterback can hit any of those windows, uh, your quarterback's got to be good enough to make that throw. Um, but crossing routes are hard enough to stop when 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 you don't have the ref blocking for you. Yes. <laughs> but but he was yes. twelve men on the field for uh, for yeah. LSU. Yeah, one of the touchdowns the the UCLA defender was going to tackle him and literally ran into the 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 ref. It was bad. Um, Zach Charbonnet, who came back from Michigan, who's from the LA area, bro. I mean, he only got 11 carries and still made it 117 yards and a touchdown. This dude is good, right? I mean, he's he looks outstanding. He is good, but he's not having to do very much on his own right now. Yeah, but he's been dragging. Yeah, like he's finishing runs. He though. does not. Yes, you are correct. But it's easy to finish runs when you're eight yards down the field before anybody makes contact with you. <laughs> Like it's easy to finish runs when it's defensive backs that are you know that that are having to do that work. It it this offensive line is is nuts, and Sean Ryan, I mean, is one of the best offensive linemen in the conference, if not the best. But then you add their center, um, who I believe came over from. They have a center who is a grad transfer who started like 40 games for somebody else. Uh, and he is um, a monster. I'm trying to remember his name. Um, Paul Gratton Jr. He's a senior from Pittsburgh, 6'4", 300. And he, I swear, he's like a he's like a super senior who played at a smaller college uh, in the eastern United States and is, is, has now come over to... Um, to, to UCLA, a grown man, and, and the way that he was turning people um, and, and opening holes was just... And, and George, the amount of time that UCLA holds their blocks is not something that I've seen in this conference for yeah. a long time. Dude, this... I t- who, did, who did I tell you? Who did I say was the team that I thought could jump up and win the South this year? Well, UCLA, you've been on them for three years, though. I've been more like progressive over time about it because I, I, you know, the one thing that always bothers me about college football is you'll have a guy who will get a job after a four year build off of what they think is one hot year. And then they won't give him four years to build when they promote him. And yeah, people didn't think that of Chip Kelly because chip kelly was coming in from the nfl and had already had success at oregon but with the way that he recruits and and how it really truly has to be his kind of guy you need that you need the full window and so we are seeing the fruits of chip kelly's labor and there's a lot of people who spent the last three years saying that chip kelly needed to be fired for the way that he recruited because he was keeping ucla from ever even being able to be competitive by not getting the best talent in the door those people are very quiet right now and should be yep 
And so I'm excited about them, dude. This team is moving in the right direction, and I cannot wait until they win 10 games, and I'm going to feel the vindication. Um, All right. The next game, Montana 13, (laughs) Washington 7. So obviously we both lost this game with the over under dude because there's not a we don't need to talk about it because they only scored 20 points so and who if you go back and play what i said like about how bad montana is and i think that uh and then i think washington's gonna win by 50 that is <laughs> not a good look for me right now <laughs> dude but so- hey hey will you say that you watched that game and you disagree with me is montana a good team no my, my, no they are not. not a good team like they are objectively unathletic. Yes, team, and, and they could have won by another touchdown had they not had their had they had had a competent quarterback. And like that's the thing that like this game was. I was waiting. So Washington scored on their first drive of the game, went up seven zero. Montana came back, got a field goal back. And then you got a 0-0 second quarter. I'm like, okay, whatever. Washington's offense, I knew it was going to be bad. Like, I expected it to be bad because of who's calling plays and the way that they're trying to do it. They're they're trying to play. I talked to an NFL coach yesterday, and he said, Washington is trying to play pro football in college, and that doesn't work. And – and he he stated all the various we- reasons why, but that's what Jimmy, Jimmy likes run the damn football. This and this, bro. You're you're trying to play like it's 1995 instead of like it's 2021. The game has changed. Nick Saban had to adapt to it. You got to adapt to it too. And right now, with the way they're recruiting, the momentum or lack thereof surrounding their recruit recruiting. They just lost Ben Roberts to Oregon. This Montana loss, bro. They just lost another receiver for the season. Yep. Bro, this is not like things are not looking real hot for Jimmy Lake right now. No, no, this is bad. This game was very uninteresting. I don't have a lot of uh, observations other than that uh, Edifuan Olafashio, the middle linebacker for Washington, bit so hard on the uh, the option handoff on um, Humphrey's uh, quarterback keeper touchdown. Like he bit so hard on that that he is probably not going to have a very good time in film this week. Um, not that I mean it, it's it's an entire defense's job to, to ultimately be able to stop an entire offense, but that's the one play that really stood out that they could have p- potentially held Montana to a, a field goal. But then you think about it and like, oh, then they would have lost nine to seven. <laughs> Dude, think exactly. Think think about this: that they went seventy eight yards for their first touchdown, and yeah, and only gained two hundred and one yards the rest of the game, and then their second half possessions 28 yards 18 yards 23 yards minus seven yards 20 yards and 25 yards and after the opening drive they didn't run a single play inside of montana's 25 yard line not a single play yeah yeah i don't know i they it just it was boring 
I don't have a ton of analysis from this game because it was they didn't do anything. Like, I can't even tell you, George, if Washington is bad or not because they didn't do anything. Like, they, they did absolutely nothing. And it's it's infuriating because, it, like, you really ran for 65 total yards against Montana? Well, and, and the part that would concern me if I were a Washington fan is the lack of of urgency in Jimmy Lake's face during the the game. At no point in time was he ever over. I know every coach is different, but he wasn't yelling. He wasn't like trying to fire people up, anything. Just just sat there and it felt, felt like he let something happen as opposed to try to, you know, stop something bad from happening to his football team. Yeah. Gosh, this is awful. The – Montana was 117 and 1 against Washington all time heading into this game. I don't think they're even a top 3 Big Sky team. Like this is offensively I was not impressed with Montana at all. Defensively they had a- There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming. And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card, Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. A couple of kids that probably belong in the in, in the Pac-12, and you're going to run into that over and over again. It's going to be more and more dangerous to do stuff like this where you pay a team 670 $5,000 to come out to Seattle because we live in the era of the transfer portal and you're going to run into a bunch of guys who were uh, who were probably uh, power five level talent but it just didn't work out the first time around but that's not this Montana team it's just not like Humphrey their quarterback I think is a Boise State bounce back from the state of Washington I think but yeah. even he didn't he was 12 of 23 for 105 yards he had the one 12 yard touchdown run and that was really that was it you know for the the montana team is not very good and i i just can't stress enough that washington got beat and lost at the same time by a big sky team it's just i don't know i i watched this game and i don't even have any takeaways because i don't know I, I don't even know what I'm evaluating, to be honest. They're, they, it was completely uninspiring, super unathletic. Uh, like you said, no sense of urgency. Um, the defense didn't have any t- takeaways. Yep. Uh, the offense gave Montana extra chances. Uh, you'd figure, you know, well, they, they need to go with what works. Um, but they targeted Kate Otten eight times. He caught all eight of them. So what? What more can well, you do? I, actually, no, 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 no. He didn't get because uh, two two of the picks 
were actually off of Kate Otten throws toward him, but they were so incredibly bad that he couldn't. <laughs> that they don't count them. as a target. <laughs> and, and they ricocheted off. No, that that should count as a as a. Oh, target. okay. It okay. was it was really bad, dude. It was really really bad. Um, yeah. This Valentine's Day, you know just what to get that special someone because you know what makes them tick. Their favorite bouquet of roses and a box of chocolate. Roses and a scented can, a teddy bear. Roses and a teddy bear. Yeah, a teddy bear. So head on over to proflowers.com to get fresh this Valentine's Day and get 15% off gifts for your special someone with promo code CRUSH15. That's CRUSH15 at proflowers.com for 15% off through February 14th on flowers, gifts, and more for Valentine's Day. See website for details. All right, on to the next game. Stanford at Kansas State. This was probably the most disappointing game this week in the Pac-12 to me because inexplicably, well, actually now inexplicably in hindsight, I picked Stanford to win eight games this season. And this team is, I mean, I know that sometimes Stanford starts slow, but this doesn't feel like a team that I watched against Kansas State that could win eight games. You're right. Uh, they are far less athletic than I had anticipated that they'd be. The one thing that I was really confused about going into today was having anybody not be able to beat Jack West out for the job. It's no disrespect to Jack West, but he's not a Pac-12 top-end quarterback. Like that, that's, that's painfully obvious. You can be a quarterback in the Pac-12. You can even do pretty well, but, but if you're going to compete for the Pac-12 North, it's not going to be with Jack West. Unless you have outstanding weapons on the outside. Like he's, he's a guy that if you put a bunch of dogs on the outside for him, he's going to look way better, but that's not what they have. Cause as you said, they look way less athletic. Yeah. I don't even know. If, I don't even know if that's going <laughs> to help to be honest. The ball just comes out of his hands slow. Um, he's not elusive uh, behind center. Tanner McKee's just a better prospect. He he was uh, the number four rated quarterback in the country coming out of high school, I think. And so, you know, that that's somebody that you would expect to step up, take the job. Obviously, you know, I don't know how many times this has happened with Stanford where they weren't 100% sure what they even had at quarterback. And I don't know what needs to be done to rectify that. Obviously, several other Pac-12 teams are struggling with that exact issue right now. Um, but Stanford seems to suffer from it quite a bit. And and it became really obvious in the actual play of the game that Tanner McKee was the better quarterback. And it makes you wonder what is happening in practices that they don't have the ability to see that. Um but yeah, just the, the 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 lack of athleticism, the lack of the ability to uh, to stop the run, um, no game no game breaking at all on this roster. That they seem to have some talent on the outside and at tight end, but it's going to need to be you know methodical. They're going to need to play perfect on offense um, if they're going to eat up yards and eat up clock and be competitive. The egg that they laid against Kansas State is inexcusable. And for years, we've been talking about, you know, are all the grad transfers catching up to Stanford? Uh, is it hurting their is it hurting their depth? 
Um, you know, he seemed to have an answer for every single one of the concerns, including like, you know, not being able to re- recruit at a high end because NCAA rules just keep making it harder and harder on Stanford uh, in general. And and when you have good teams in the Pac-12, sometimes they'll steal a, a player or two away. If, if UCLA or, or USC or Oregon is good enough, they might actually keep somebody from going to Stanford. So Stanford sort of needs everything to break their way, and they need a couple of really special players on their roster. Um for things to work out because the depth just isn't there. They don't ever go right up to the scholarship limit. Um, maybe this is it. You, you've been talking about the empire crumbling for years and maybe we're finally starting to see the product of it. I know that it's one game, but it was incredibly dis- discouraging uh, oh, because yeah. at no point did they feel like they even belonged on the same field as Kansas state. And if you're trying to be one of the top three teams in the pac 12 and you can't hang with one of the, you know, the fifth or sixth best team in the big 12. That's a huge problem. Bingo, 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 bongo, bango right there. Um, uh, okay. Kai, Kai, uh, if we're going to say one good thing about Stanford, that Kyle blue Kelly interception was cool as hell. Yes. That was a fantastic interception. Um, all right. We have Oregon state at Purdue. This was a game. I thought that Oregon state could have won. I, I, and call me call me crazy. They were only down by nine points going into the fourth quarter. They like their offense was putrid at times. Putrid at times. Uh, Sam Neuer was bad, dude. He was bad. Ten for twenty-one, ninety-four yards and a pick. Then they brought in Chance Nolan, who clearly did better. And I don't know how you how they could come out and start Sam Neuer for this for this week. I thought Sam Neuer looked like the better quarterback, and I, I think I'm in the extreme minority um, here. Uh, Wait, what? You thought Sam Neuer looked better? I do, I do. Um, there's what would you rather have, George? A quarterback who is overthrowing receivers and needs to make an adjustment, or a quarterback who is severely underthrowing receivers? and can't make the adjustment because he doesn't have oh the arm God. to do it. They're, you're asking me if I want to be shot or do do I want to be stabbed? Well, that's the situation that Oregon State's in right now because Sam Neuer was overthrowing receivers, and not just by a little. He was – I mean, he, he was putting no touch on the ball whatsoever. He was throwing the <laughs> ball was like in the stands. Was yeah. to the ball. Yeah, uh, and, and you know – say what you want. He's got enough experience at quarterback where you'd like to see a little bit more touch, but he also hasn't been able to focus solely on quarterback throughout his collegiate career. Um, Nolan came in and he, it's like he was seeing things better than Neuer, but when he'd go to let the ball out of his hands, he, it would either be up for grabs or the receiver would have to turn around, come back and get it. Yep. And that happened in, and I'm not, I'm not finding a narrative where there isn't one. I counted three Sam Neuer crazy overthrows and three Nolan underthrows that that could have been problematic. And to me, that's what we're looking at here. You're looking at somebody who can see the field a little bit better um, versus somebody who has a better arm. And so I've listened to several other Pac-12 podcasts. I've read several other things um, all over the internet about, you know, these two quarterbacks and who'd be better. And I think the majority of people are saying the offense looks better with Nolan in there, but that could have just been Jonathan Smith, to be honest, like Purdue had 
has a three-headed D coordinator. I've never seen this before. They have Brad Lambert as the main guy, Ron English and Mark Hagan. They game planned for Oregon State better than anybody I've ever seen. It was like they knew what Oregon State was going to run before they ran it. And by the time Jonathan Smith figured things out in the fourth quarter, it was too late and Purdue's offense had done enough. And then it turns out Oregon State can't cover the tight end. So when Purdue figured that out, it was over. It was just Jack Plummer to that big number 87 over and over and over. Scored the touchdown that put it out of reach. Um, got the, the first down after that 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 uh, took away Oregon State's opportunity to uh, to try to come back um, and allowed them to score again. He's just um, – it's going to be a big year for, I think, anybody running a tight end up against Oregon State's defense. But I thought it was a brilliant coaching job by Purdue's entire staff because Oregon State looked like the more talented team um, slightly more talented team, slightly more athletic team, and they got beat. Uh, I think that, you know, I, I don't anticipate Jonathan Smith having being outcoached every game this year because that's just not the Jonathan Smith that we know in this conference and in the Pac-12 North after you watch what happened this last weekend. I'd still be afraid of Oregon State no matter who you are, but I would rather have a quarterback who has the ability to get the ball down the field um, and just needs to dial it back a little bit than somebody who uh, can't get you what you need on offense and was obviously the reason why he didn't come out as the starter. Yep. Okay. That makes sense. Um, we have Nevada who beat Cal 22 to 17. And here Cal found a way to, to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory, <laughs> dude. They had a win. They had a win, and 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 they had the ball at the end of the game with an opportunity to win, and and they, I mean, I don't know, like I guess you could say they cooled it, but they cowed it. Apparently, that may be a new thing, and I just think it's interesting how the narrative has changed around coaches and how quickly it does when you actually give people time and things to play out. So Cal is recruiting better now at this point in point in time. Um, but Justin Wilcox was like a hot name for jobs when Oregon was open, other places were open, hot name. But now, how would you say people feel about him and, you know, them being your next him being your next head coach? He has pulled a reverse Cliff Kingsbury, and you can't pull a, a reverse Cliff Kingsbury because you can fail to identify a proper defensive coordinator and get away with failing up because you can score. You can't do the opposite if you're Justin Wilcox. He's not going to get an NFL head coaching job on the strength of the defense that he calls because he hasn't been able to identify a good offensive coordinator. Yeah, He's in, he's in reverse cliff mode right now, and that's a huge problem. Well, and then the other thing is he had a good defensive coordinator in Tim DeRuiter and then demoted him for a friend of his who, and mind you, I played with both of these dudes, Peter Sermon and with Justin Wilcox, demoted him for Peter Sermon to be the play caller. And it hasn't been the same since Tim DeRuiter uh, has been now. Well, well, since Tim DeRuiter wasn't calling the plays last fall, and since Gerald Alexander left to go to the Miami Dolphins, I'm just saying it ain't been the same. Yeah. Um, he, here's here's the uh, 
the breaking point for Cal. I believe they were winning when this happened. Um, in the fourth quarter, 11 minutes and 15 seconds left. I'm going to read you four plays in a row. Um, Damian Moore rushed up the middle for four yards. And then that was on second and five. On third and one, Damian Moore rushed up the middle for six yards, gets a first down. On first and 10, with 10 minutes and 15 seconds left in the game from the Cal 36, DeCarlos Brooks rushes to the left for 38 yards. So 941 left from the Nevada 26, Damian Moore gets the ball again, rushed to the left for 15 yards. So now you have Cal with the ball and the lead at the 11-yard line with nine minutes left in the game. They have just run for 63 yards on four consecutive carries. What do they do? Keep running the football. Right. Instead, Chase Garbers, incomplete pass to the right. Chase Garbers rushed to the left for two-yard gain. Chase Garbers, sacked by Sam Hammond for a loss. Dario Longhetto misses 40-yard field goal. So you get 63 yards on four straight carries, and then you don't run the ball again and miss a field goal. Nevada comes down, scores, and that's, I mean, that that was the turning point. Nevada's a good team. You can't mess around with them like this. Yeah, correct. This should have been a two-touchdown Cal win, and they lost by four. Bro, they, this was a really, really bad look for this Cal team and also kind of highlighted the problems with the Pac-12 North, which we've seen already with Stanford, Oregon State, Nevada, all had games, and Washington all had games they either should have won or were, were favored in or – that they had a chance to even when it counted the most. Um, all right. The final Pac-12 North game, you had Utah State versus Washington State, 26-23. Utah State won this game. I, I, Ralph, I was watching it, and I think it was 22-11, to 11, right, in the fourth quarter. 20-11. Yeah, yeah, 22-11. And Washington State had the ball on the two-yard line. Yes, going in, like two-yard line, going to go score, and they found a way to lose the game 26-23. Pretty incredible. They So uh, Jared Guarantano got taken out of the game when he got hit on a, on a safety when they were trying to throw from their own end zone. So Jaden Delora came in. Um, he was infinitely more athletic. He He made more plays. He just looked better than Guarantano and Washington state is driving. They're about to put the game away. This is in the fourth quarter. They're up two scores. Anyway, they get the ball down to the two yard line and they roll Cam and Cooper out their third string quarterback for a goal line set. They lose yards on three consecutive plays, two negative runs. Um, and then a penalty and then I believe an incomplete pass or something like that and a field goal. So they had the opportunity to go up 27 to 11, perhaps even go for two and put the game out of, out of reach completely. And they did not. They gave the ball back to Utah State. Utah State scores two fourth quarter touchdowns, gets a two-point conversion, and they win. Utah State is not good. They're not a good Mountain West team. They're not expected to finish in the top six they got a brand new of coach. the Mountain West. They do, and he's a, he is a good coach, but this didn't have anything to do with him. This was galaxy brain 
coach. Like it's so bad that Nick Rolovich has has had to admit that he lost this game. Yeah. Yep. And but see, but I actually appreciate that from Nick Rolovich because that's the complete opposite of what their former coach Mike Leach would have done when he would have just blamed the, blamed the kids. He would have blamed trash on the beaches of California or some random stuff. Shout out to Mike Leach, by the way, for having to score three touchdowns in the fourth quarter to get a win over La Tech. We like to keep tabs on on the Pirate. <laughs> All right, last game, BYU at Arizona. And this was a game that I thought was going to get out of hand, but Arizona was able to make it a little bit closer. Uh, Gunner Cruz... He played like because they were supposed to be switching quarterbacks out, but uh, Will Plummer didn't really play. Uh, Gunner Cruz, 34 for 45 for 337, a touchdown and a pick. And but BYU, but their defense was just atrocious, dude. They couldn't stop BYU at all. They ran for 207 yards on 11 on 11 yards to carry. So their run defense is horrendous. Um, what else did you make out of the Wildcats under Jeb Fish? I think they took some time to figure things out. And I think that, uh, they got a safety, um, in the third quarter that, that I think really switched up the momentum of the game. And so it just, it was, um, it was Trevon Mason who, uh, who tackled BYU's running back in the end zone to make it 21 to five. And then, U of A got the ball back, and Gunnar Cruz uh, got the ball to Brian Castile, who ran it in for a touchdown. That made it 21-11. They got the two-point conversion, which made it 21-13. to And then so you figure, like, oh, we're, we're, we're in a pretty good position now. Um, and U of A even had the ball and was marching down the field down one score. Uh, they had a weird situation in which – they got called for offensive pass interference, even though it was obviously defensive. Uh, Jed Fish got caught on camera calling the referee effing dumb, <laughs> which was pretty funny. <laughs> and then they reversed the call. So Jed Fish ended up being right. But the the wind was kind of taken out of U of A sales a little bit. Um, they probably should have been trying to run the ball a little bit more in that situation. They're getting a little pass happy. And uh, and BYU was able to, to, to hold them without any points, go down and kick a field goal. Um this is an eight-point U of A loss with two missed field goals and an interception in the end zone. So uh, if I'm – I did not expect University of Arizona to win. I did expect them to cover. I thought U of A looked better than I expected. After watching this game, I could see them winning one or two in the Pac-12. I had them going winless in the Pac-12. I had them going two and ten this year. And – I, I can actually start to see a little bit what they're attempting to do. I think it's going to take some time to gel because you have a new feature back in Wiley. You have a new quarterback if they're ro- if they're rolling with Cruz. Stanley Berryhill's okay. He had 12 catches for 102 yards, but you're talking about a former walk-on. They need Jamari Joyner fresh back off his foot injury because if they're going to do these little dink and dunk passes, they need somebody that can make people miss and um, – and nobody on the roster is that guy right now. They have athletes. They have straight line speed. Um, they did use the tight end a little bit, which was interesting. And they did hit the running back in the passing game quite a bit. Drake Anderson had six catches. So uh, I tell you what, there's a. Th- th- I think they present a potential trap game. Uh, for a few teams. I still don't think that they have the talent right now at this moment to be competitive against some of the higher end teams. 
uh, in the Pac-12, but as we found out this last weekend, some teams in the Pac-12 don't care who they're playing. They're going to play down to the competition regardless. <laughs> but yeah. I, I won't say I was impressed by Arizona, but it did wake me up a little bit to what is possible under Jed Fish. It's going to yes. take time, though. I there, There's, there's well, got to be some patience. The door's blown off. Like the, that's the first thing. The last time we saw this team, they lost 70-7. to seven. So yeah. we're already moving in the right direction. All right, so now it is time for our week two Pac-12 power rankings. I am excited because this is we, – we have a team on top of the Pac-12 power rankings, at least in mine, that hasn't been on top of the Pac-12 power rankings in good God. I have no idea how long. Um, are you ready to go? I am ready. All right. We have, um, all right, I'll, we will start at 12 and go through and then go backwards. We'll, we'll, we'll go six and six. I got Washington at number 12. Oof, really? What do you, they lost to an FCS school and they only okay. scored seven points. All right. Uh, I got Stanford number 11. Arizona 10, um, Oregon State 9, Washington State 8, Cal number 7. So that's my 12 through 7. Because, and and the reason why I did it that way, Washington had by far the worst loss and the worst offensive and defensive performance probably. Uh, Stanford. Offensive performance, putrid as well. Only managed seven points and couldn't stop a nosebleed. Arizona, eh, you still don't feel like this is a good football team, but at least they tried. Uh, Oregon State had a chance to win their game. Didn't quite get it done. Still figuring out their quarterback situation. And Washington State, they should have beaten Utah State, but found a way to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. And then Cal, eh, I don't know. Jury's still out on how good this team is, but they should have beaten Nevada too. So that's my 12. Oh, 12 okay. to 7. All right. So uh, at 12, I have Stanford um, because unlike Washington, I feel like we might have actually seen who Stanford is talent-wise. Yeah. And that's scary. That's truly scary. Um, but maybe I'm wrong. Washington is my number 11. They didn't even give me anything to go off of. While defensively, like, they weren't terrible. They didn't force any turnovers or anything, but their defensive backfield is still what it is. Um, the rest of it just needs – that they need opportunities. They need to get the ball back for that offense to to give them more opportunities to throw interceptions, I guess. Uh, I will put at number 10, Oregon State, and it is completely talent-based. Love Champ Flemings, but should he be getting 50 snaps a game? Um for a team that's going to compete in the Pac-12 North, probably not. Uh, so I have Oregon State at number ten. Uh, be interesting to see what they do at quarterback from here on out. Arizona again, a, a, mostly a talent issue. Um, Arizona at number nine is higher than I expected them to be really at any point in the season. So they can thank Washington and Stanford for looking as bad as they did. <laughs> um, I've got Cal at number eight. Uh, 
I don't know what to say about Cal. Like they, they do not possess athleticism on the offensive side of the ball to the point where they can just ignore the running game outright. Yeah, you don't feel like that they they don't look special. Like they have a lack of special players. It feels like. Yeah, and you can get away with that if you have a commitment to just holding on to the ball and waiting the other team out. And they got impatient, and it cost them big time. So I have them at number eight. Washington State uh, is my number seven because they didn't actually look bad. I've heard a lot of people say that it looked like the team quit on Rolovich. It looked like they um, they were terrible or or whatever else. I thought defensively they actually played with a little bit of intensity. Uh, they ran out of gas toward the end of the game. I don't know what you expect. Like they 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 held Utah State off for as long as they possibly could. It was Nick Rolovich with his offensive galaxy brain that shot them in the foot and put them in a position where they needed to 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 keep the dam from overflowing, and it just wasn't going to happen all game long. So I, I actually kind of uh, there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Do you love Selena? Like, really love Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stan the Queen of Tejano. And stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. You have to remember that the Washington State had the opportunity to go up uh, 27 to 11 at one point, and we're moving the ball really well at one point. The other frustrating thing is Max Borgie looked fantastic, and he wasn't getting very many touches. He's a star. You have to feed him. And so I was encouraged by what Washington State has available on the offensive and defensive sides of the ball. This was a coaching mistake. I'm not going to put it on the talent of the team, so I have them at number seven. All right, um, my number six team, I have Colorado at number six, Utah at five, Arizona State at four, USC at three, Oregon at two, and UCLA obviously at number one. Okay. I'm rolling with Colorado at six. Uh, They didn't show me very much, but – I think that uh, I think they're okay at quarterback. They're good at receiver. They're good at running back. They're satisfactory at offensive line. And so, if the defense is just going to continue to show up and make plays, then then they could have a pretty decent year. Maybe they can hang on to a top six spot. Um, Utah is my number five uh, for no other reason than they didn't like Weber state's not somebody that's going to move the needle for me either way. And that's kind of where I had them going into the season. Anyway, USC is number four. They did not look good offensively, defensively. Drake Jackson could possibly not trying to be too hot takey here. He could possibly give Kayvon Thibodeau a run for his money. Maybe not to be a higher pick than him in the NFL draft, but certainly if he continues to play at this level, 
for Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah. It's yeah. possible. I mean, especially if Thibodeau is going to be uh, nicked up or banged up based on what, what happened in the first um, week of the season. Uh, I have Arizona State as my number three, just below Oregon, only because I trust a team that at least doesn't cause themselves problems a little bit more, if that yeah. makes sense. Um, Arizona State has the ability to be their own worst enemy this year. Uh, and then that puts the UCLA at, at number one. Far and away, though, like they've looked a lot better than Oregon oh, yeah, that in was, their two games. No, they are clearly the best team so far in the Pac-12. All right. So uh, now, this week's picks. This is obviously a big week for the conference. You have two marquee games in Washington at um, – actually, but is any – Washington at Michigan, Oregon at Ohio State. Um, Cal at TCU, uh, Texas A&M uh, at Colorado. Bro, this is not a – oh, and Utah, BYU, Stanford, USC. Bro, th- this is a real week in the Pac-12. This this has the opportunity to be a rough, a rough one. <laughs> you might – I mean, it, this, is, this is wild to think about. But the possibility exists for the Pac-12 to maybe only win two out-of-conference games this week. Ralph, if you don't stop it, if you do not stop it, I will fight your face. That is the most outrageous thing that you have said. Two games? Two you're probably, games? You're, you're probably going to get a Washington State win. There you're probably going to get Ralph, an, There are 10 games. Right. You're probably going to get and an Arizona State win. conference. Yeah. Can you guarantee Arizona beats San Diego State? No, I can't guarantee that. Can you guarantee Oregon State beats Hawaii? Yes. Oof. We'll see. We'll see. It is It is in Corvallis, so that's helpful. Uh, can you guarantee Utah beats BYU? Hell no. Okay. And Washington and Michigan, I probably know your answer there. <laughs> Why would I have any confidence in... Washington beating Michigan unless Michigan doesn't take them seriously and they decide and Washington also decides to do something completely different. Right. Uh, A&M at Boulder. Number six team in the country coming to Boulder. All right, man. Let's let's just let's just put these lines together. Okay. Okay. Because. You're, it's you're, it, I'm depressed already. Nothing's happened yet and I'm depressed. I'm not, dude. I actually think the 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 Pac-12 is going to comport itself very well. I believe that this is What would you consider to be very well? 5 and 5? Cuz I would consider that to be very well this weekend. Um, okay. 5 and 5 with no loss to Portland State and I will be very happy. Um, I I think you either got to get Washington or Oregon to win. If not, if not both to be a successful weekend. At least one of them has to win. What if they go, <laughs> what if they were to go, cause I'm, I'm going to test your logic thing from earlier in the show. What if the PAC 12 goes two and eight in out of conference games, but the only wins are against Ohio state and Texas A&M. 
Oh, that's a winning day. That is a winning <laughs> day, How? How? Oh, my gosh. Because that would mean the losses to Portland State and UNLV who lost to a hey. Big Sky team already. Hey, bro, that's not – that's not that's, – <laughs> it, it's more important for the conference to be top-heavy and have one elite – one or two elite teams than it is for everybody else to do well. That'd be too top heavy. That'd be no legs top heavy. <laughs> <laughs> skipping, skipping leg day. Yeah. All right. Let's let's jump into it. What do you okay. want to do first? Okay. We will start with Stanford. The only in conference game: Stanford at USC. Okay. This line is currently USC minus 17 so a bigger line than san jose state which is very disrespectful because they saw stanford play last last week and the over under is 51 and a half true you have in this game um oh man i can't in this game between these two teams the idea that there's a 17 point line is silly i would be i think you'd be a sucker to take the 17 and USC. I and agree. so mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Stanford covering the 17. Okay. And then the over under <laughs> over. I, that's a guess. I've, I'm not doing that based off anything. I'm hoping fingers crossed. 51 and a half dude. That's only 26. To, that's 26, 25 like that. Or like, this is going to be one. This game's going to be like 17 to eight and you know it. You know what? I'm going with the under. I'm going with the under. I cannot. I can't imagine Stanford scoring because how, how much would Stanford have to score for it to be? Okay. If Stanford scored 17 points, right? That yeah. would mean that minus that means 34. That means uh, you'd need a 35 to 17 for USC yeah. to cover and it to hit the over. Man, that is not happening. That is not happening. All right, I'm. Going. Are we both? Are we both on the under? <laughs> yes. Okay. And I'm taking Stanford plus the seventeen and a half. Well, sorry, seventeen. I'm with you. We're we're on the same thing here. All right. Um, Texas A&M minus seventeen and a half at Colorado, over under fifty one. Um, I am rolling with. Ooh, Boulder's a tough place to play. Uh, give me Colorado and the over. Colorado and the over. Okay, so, all right, so Texas A and M. Okay, so Texas A and M, they beat Kent State forty-one to ten this last weekend, right? And if you go back to 2020, they did not blow the doors off of anybody, it feels like. Yeah, no. Well, Tennessee, they beat Tennessee by 21, but Tennessee was in shambles. That was the last game of the season. Oh, and yeah, yeah. That's how Colorado ended up with a Tennessee quarterback who is now on their bench with a knee injury. Yeah. So the only team that they blew out last year was South Carolina. So I am going, and that was with Kellen Mond at quarterback. They got a new quarterback now. I am going to go with Colorado plus the points. But I also think that the over is going to hit. 
So what did you, you, you had it at 17 and a half or 17? 17. Okay. And right. over under 51. So I'm taking Colorado and the over. But you're, you're, I'm with you. Second time in a row. All right. Uh, well, th- that's an easy way not, not to lose. Um, so Cal at TCU. <laughs> um, TCU's favorite, uh, TCU minus 10 and a half, over under 48 points. Uh, this is Cal all day. Love the way that they play on the road. If they just show a commitment to the run game, I think they're going to keep this within 10. I won't say that they're going to win, but I do believe that they keep it within, within two scores. I think, I think, I think, uh, eight to 10 point loss would be respectable. I think they have a chance to win this game in the end though. So I will take Cal, uh, plus 10 and a half. How about the over under? I want you to go first. <laughs> All right. I'm I, still thinking. I am taking Cal plus 10 and a half. And I am going to take the over as well. Easy it's over. Four, so it's only 48 points. All right. I'll, I'll roll with you. I'll roll. We never do this, but we're three for three. All right. Uh, the next game up, this game doesn't even have a line. It's Portland State at Washington State. Um. I guess we'll make one up for this one. Give them. How about we give Washington State four touchdowns? Four touchdowns and a half. Twenty-eight and a half point line. That seems low, dude. That seems low. Only because. Wait, no, because Hawaii only beat them by fourteen points. Didn't Portland State give either Oregon State or Washington State a game in the last couple of years, or maybe even win one? Uh, I don't. I don't remember. Oh, man. Okay, so I'm going to go. I think that this is – okay, we'll we'll give them 20. I feel like like 30-something is the proper number. I was going to say like 34, so let's meet it in between. So 34 and 28, what does that give us, 33? No, 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 sorry. Jeez, jeez the weeds. 28 and 34, so we got 30, 32, 31 So this and a is half. a – this is a revenge game. In 2015, Portland State shocked the Cougs 24 to 17. Oh my god. Okay, so I guess oh, oh my god. Okay, so do you want to set it at 28 or 31? I'm good either way. Let's go 28 then. 28? Okay. Yep. Okay. So who are you taking with Washington State as a 28-point favorite over Portland State? I'm taking Washington State, dude. I just refuse to believe that. Okay, so Hawaii beat them by 14 points. Washington State's got to beat them by 28, right? Wait, actually, no, no. I'm going to (laughs) take Portland State because they're going to lose by like 27. So Portland State. Okay, so you're taking Portland State is 28 and a half is what we're rolling with? Yeah. Uh yep, 28 and a half. Okay. And we what do you want to set the over under at? So 28 and a half. So that's 28 and a half plus That's set it at 56. 56 is 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 exactly where I was thinking. Okay, I'm going to go I'm going to go with Washington State minus 28 and a half and over 56. Damn. All right. Well, I'm taking the over and Portland State. Okay. All right. Um, Washington at Michigan. 
Michigan is Michigan minus six and a half over under 49. Hmm. Well, I'm hammering Michigan on the minus six and a half. But then again, this is one of the, it feels like a trap. But uh, hammer in Michigan, and I will roll with the under. Hmm. That's me being a reactionary better, which never works. I am going to, I know you're not going to believe this. I am taking Washington plus the points, plus the six and a half points. And I'm taking the massive under, bro. Massive under. If this, if this, if the over under in this game was 42, I would still take the under. It's 49, though. I'm going to take Washington plus six and a half and the under at 49. Okay. So I believe that Washington at least has enough fight in them to, to like win. Maybe. But I, actually, I don't think that they're going to win, but I think that they're going to keep it respectable. Seven points would be respectable. No, it wouldn't do because nobody a seven point loss. Michigan is fantastic. What if it's like seven to nothing? It could be seven to nothing. You <laughs> leather oh, helmets. <laughs> Let's dude, go. If they lose seven to nothing, Ralph. I'm going to. Cry real tears, dude. I'm going to laugh my ass off, bro. John oh, Donovan, John Donovan will not be getting back on the team bus if it's seven to nothing. They're gonna lane given the offensive coordinator. Um, all right. Uh San Diego State at Arizona. Arizona is a one point favorite, and the over under is 47 and a half. Well, I had Arizona winning this game <laughs> in my preseason thing, so I, I'm going to assume that they win it by more than one. Okay. Right? I mean, if if I couldn't even – how would I take San Diego State if I thought Arizona was going to win? I couldn't. <laughs> Unless I'm taking it to, to be a tie game. It's impossible. <laughs> I have to roll with Arizona. Um, the over-unders – tricky it's not a rocky long defense anymore they still have some good players uh one might argue that they are similar rosters at least on the defensive side of the ball but uh i'm thinking this is going to be a 28 17 what is that that's 45 i guess i'm rolling the under Mm-mm. No way, no how, pal. This is Arizona's winning, and the over is hitting. San Diego State last week only beat New Mexico State 28-10. to 10. Yeah, New Mexico State's very bad. Quite possibly yes. the worst team outside of UConn. Yeah, so they only managed 28 points. So this is a layup for Arizona, or it should be, and the, and the over. All right, um, next game. Utah at BYU. The, this game's called the Holy War, right? Yes. Yeah, so um, Utah's favored by seven points, over under 48. I'll go first on this one. Give me – oh, man. Give me BYU plus seven. 
I think you really, yeah, I think Utah is going to win the game, but I think that they're only going to win by three points. It's going to be like 27, 24, 24, 21, which puts me in a pickle with this over under, which I am going to lean towards the over. I think this is the first time that we're, we're hitting opposites. Um, how would you feel, George? Who is uh, who would you say like the toughest Oregon Duck ever is? Oh my god! Ever just like just like a tough like not even a great player, just a real tough dude. Uh, Kevin Mitchell. Okay, so if Kevin Mitchell got the University of Washington head coach job and won like ten games in a row against Oregon, how would that make you feel? That would be upsetting. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. Because <laughs> you you couldn't, you, you at no point would you ever lose respect because you know what he's about. Yeah. But like, dear God, leave us alone. Like, what did we ever do? to you besides give you this platform to torture us. That's the Kyle Whittingham experience with BYU. He owns them. He just owns them. They're not, they're going to cover. They're absolutely going to cover in this game. They're going to embarrass the the Cougars in Provo, hopefully to the point where BYU makes the right decision and goes to not their second string, but their third string quarterback, uh, who is awesome. Would love to see him playing immediately. And I'm going to need Utah to win by like 30 in order to make that happen. So I am taking the Utes and the under. I don't think BYU is doing anything in this game. Mm, Okay. All right. Uh, UNLV at Arizona State. Arizona State's favored by 32 points. The over-under is 53. Um, Arroyo looks terrible at UNLV. You sound happy about that. No, I'm not. Why would I cheer for somebody's demise? Um, I actually (laughs) actually thought that he would be a better head coach than he he was an offensive coordinator, and I'm on record as saying that. Um, Arizona State's favored by 32 points. This is ridiculous. This line is so insane. I have to take the the under. Arizona State doesn't beat people by by 32 points. So nope. Well, except for Arizona. Um, yeah, so not nope. They do not cover this 32 points. They take their foot off the gas before they win by 32 points. And then over under a 53. Um I say they score 40, 40 some odd points. So, and then they'll score 14. It'll be like 40 to 14, 42, 14. So I'm going to take the over. 
So you're on UNLV plus 32 and a half and over what? 53. Okay. I will take Arizona State. I think it's a five touchdown win. I think we're probably thinking you know, 42 to seven, which would get, uh, w- which would get that done. Um, but we'll give everybody an extra field goal so I can be with you on that over. <laughs> okay, cool. All right. Um, Hawaii at Oregon state, Oregon state's favored by ele- Oregon state minus 11. They're favored by 11 points over no. 64. Do you think Oregon State wins by two touchdowns? No. Maybe? No. I don't think I don't. Okay, so Hawaii won this last week versus Portland State, 49 to 35. Yeah. And Todd Graham got his 40. ass beaten Corvallis once, and it's still haunting as you fans to this day. Yeah. It's still early in the season, so the weather should be fine, even though it's an eight o'clock game. Dude, how does Oregon State get back-to-back FS1 games when, like, USC and Oregon were on the Pac-12 network? But never mind. And People so love to see Ty John Lindsay get one jet sweep a game. All right. I'm going <laughs> to go with – oh, man, give me the Beavers. I, no. Damn. That's a tough line. All right. Actually, yeah – Give me, give me the Beavers, man. Give me the Beavers and under 64. Wait, actually, they can't stop. The, yeah, actually, give me the Beavers and the over. You Over 63 and a half? Over 64. All right. Uh... I'll just take the under. I'll, I'll roll with Oregon State as well, but I don't feel good about it. Neither do you, it sounds like. No, no. Nope. But I went 0-6 in the North last week, so I'm just kind of clinging to you on these North games. <laughs> All right, last game up of the week. Uh, Oregon at Ohio State. This line has ballooned after Oregon's game to 14-and-a-half over under 63. Ralph, what say you? Oregon covers. I don't. I I've less doubt about this game than most of the others. Oh yeah, yeah, dude. This this fourteen and a half, dude. This is bet the farm area here. Like worst case scenario, Oregon loses. They're not getting blown out the water. That's not happening. So um, give me Oregon plus. 14 and a half, and I will take the. Because uh, both teams are going to score, but 63 and a half feels like a lot. I'm going to take the under. I will do the opposite and take the over. And I think, I because I think we're looking at like a 34 to 27 game. Yeah. Wait, that's still not even 63, is it? Mm-mm. Damn. Yeah, I guess I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, dude, 63 is a lot of damn points, bro. So that means that they got it at like 42, 42-28 or something. Yeah, I don't know about that. Uh, Oregon doesn't even have that type of offense. Yep, exactly. 
So we will see what happens there. Um, all right. So what does, before we finish up, what does success after we've gone through these games look like for the Pac-12? Five and five to me, and it doesn't matter how it, how it happens. Five and five to me is so if because so because if of the I just impending opportunity for disaster. So if the wins are Portland State, San Diego State, UNLV, Hawaii, and one other game, then you're fine. Yes. So and, and yeah. let and let's say mm-hmm. it's TCU. So you're fine with losing to Ohio State, Texas A&M, Michigan, Mm -hmm. and BYU? Uh, No, I don't know about that. I think the – here's what it comes down to. The favorites need to win. The favorites absolutely need to win. And so if there's four losses and they're all at the top end, then I could live with that. We can't have a week like last week where – where three Mountain West teams get a win and another one almost does and a Big Sky team gets a win. That shit cannot happen anymore. Yeah. Like, nobody expects Oregon to beat Ohio State right now because Kayvon might not play and Anthony Brown hasn't shown that he's the guy that's going to get them this kind of win. But nobody on that Oregon roster is going to be surprised by the magnitude of this game. They're going to be in it. Like, it's, it's going to be a fun one. So... You know, as 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 long as none of these teams get absolutely blown out, and I think the only team that has an excuse here is Colorado, just because of how young they are. But again, I think the crowd's going to show up. I think that A and M defensively has not been what they were. Um, as long as the favorites win, so I guess I guess six and four is what I'm saying. All the favorites have to get a win. I'd settle for five and five if it included one of the top four games. If it included uh, Michigan, TCU, Ohio State, or uh, loss at home, or a huge upset of, of Texas A and M, see, I need, I need the two of these three games for for it to look like a good weekend. Oregon, Oregon, Ohio State, Washington, Michigan. And either Cal, TCU, or Colorado, Texas A&M. I, I need two of those games won. Period. Period. Um, yeah. And and, it, and, and, and I, you I guess look. we have to remind that when we say five and five or six and four, obviously one of those teams is going to beat the other one because Stanford and USC play. Yeah. Um, but Stanford could F this whole weekend up because you could get a win over Ohio State and you could even get a win over Texas A&M. But if Stanford beats USC, then you're right back where you started of like now the inside conference games aren't worth anything on the top end. Yep. Yep. No, no, you are. You are right about that. So, yeah. Uh, But you guys, thank you guys for joining us today. This is the Pac-12 Apostles. You guys can always hit us up. 818-293-7547. Send us a message and uh, we will get your emails and texts next episode. Peace out. Still living in 2021 and manually taking notes? There is a better way. Start the new year with otter.ai. Automatically get meeting notes. Otter.ai works for virtual meetings like Zoom, Microsoft Teams, and Google Meet. Sign up on the web for free or download in the app stores. Otter.ai. That's O-T-T-E-R dot A-I. 
Still living in 2021 and manually taking notes? There is a better way. Start the new year with otter.ai. Automatically get meeting notes. Otter.ai works for virtual meetings like Zoom, Microsoft Teams, and Google Meet. Sign up on the web for free or download in the app stores. Otter.ai. That's O-T-T-E-R A-I. Thunderstruck. Adjective. Shocked and amazed by the power of fun on Carnival. Riding Bolt, the world's first roller coaster at sea, Brian got thunderstruck so hard, his 93-year-old grandmother felt it 3,000 miles away in Nebraska and immediately booked a cruise. Hooray! Get thunderstruck starting at 289. Carnival. Choose fun. Cruises are in U.S. dollars per person, double occupancy. Taxes, fees, and port expenses additional. Restrictions apply. Full details on Carnival.com. Ships Registry, Bahamas, Panama. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon.